folding pocket. Hello, welcome to The Fast and the Curious with me, Betty Glover. And me, Christian Hugill, here at Silverstone for another episode, but this time with our wonderful friends at McLaren. I guess you could call that. I've never done this oh, here. Go on. Shall I do it? Go on. Really loud as well, so everybody at McLaren Should can do it really hear. loud. Should do it really loud. Okay. I might get told off. Here we go. McLaren News! People have actually turned around to have a look. That was... Carry on. Please resume with your days. So at the end of the last episode, <laughs> me and you were at Mercedes, Mercedes Shakedown. We spoke to Toto, we spoke to Mick Schumacher, we spoke to Fred Vesti, and we got the lowdown at Mercedes, but now we're getting the lowdown at McLaren. We are, and you know who we should speak to in that case, don't you? Yeah, we've got to start at the top, right? We've got to start at the very top. Coming up, Oscar Piastri and Lando Norris. But first, to give us the inside track as to whether they can carry on their fantastic season of progress and maybe, who knows, go one step further, is the big boss of McLaren, the big boss of the whole operation, an incredibly important man, more important, some would say, than Greg James. You're just bigging him up because you know he's listening. Because really? I know he's listening. Yeah. It's, it's Zach Brown. Brown, thank you so much for joining us on The Fast and the Curious again. This is your return, your second time on the podcast. I'm a veteran now. Yeah. <laughs> seasoned yeah. veteran, seasoned pro. Exactly. Um, how are you? Yeah, everything's good. Here at a uh, wet Silverstone feels like my good old British Formula 3 days, so it's fun. <laughs> what do you think of the weather? It's, uh, it's very British, but it it's is, good. And yeah. Silverstone's an awesome facility, so shakedown's going well. The car needs to go round and round, and it's doing that according to plan. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so far, uh, no dramas. What has the winter break been like for you? Uh, exciting. Uh, you know, we've been, the uh, team's been doing a great job in development of the car. The data says we've definitely taken a step forward. We don't know what the competition's done, so... Uh, We'll be faster, but I presume none of them will be uh, have sat still, so we'll just have to see where things shake out at the start of the year. That's the problem, isn't it? You make it faster, but the other buggers make it faster it's, as well. It's who, it's who makes it faster than the other. <laughs> who is the fastest? <laughs> Correct. Exactly. That is the, the heart of the sport. It feels like in the last few weeks in particular, Formula One sort of lost its mind a little bit, with obviously that small driver move being announced. You know, that's probably went under the radar for most no, people. No, no one's talking about it. <laughs> but here at McLaren, you've got your two fantastic drivers who everybody says, you know, two of the present and future stars of the sport. How nice is it to have those guys locked down? You've got a management structure around you all in place. There was big progress last year. It must feel quite nice at the moment. No, it is. It's good. We've got uh, real stability. We've got visibility to our future. We've got uh, youth on our our side and uh, yeah, there's been a bit of chaos in Formula One here uh, recently and we're glad to uh, just be reading about it and not participating in it. <laughs> Do you know that social media meme where it's like you've got the, the animals that sat back just like sipping its tea whilst all the drama's going on? Do you know what, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's you, de de Definitely a sport where uh, it's highly entertaining, let's uh, let's say. So uh, yeah, I mean the Lewis move was, was huge news for the for the sport, Lewis and Mercedes and Ferrari, and you know Carlos needs to be finding out where uh, where he's going to be racing in the future. A great racing driver, so no doubt he will be on the grid in Formula One. It's just a question of with who. So that that'll create an interesting environment in both those teams as you have uh, drivers going out. So you got to figure out when do you start managing what ex, uh, information they have. Um, drivers will now have something to to prove. So maybe the uh, team orders will be a little bit harder to. 
uh, implement. And then, of course, uh, Red Bull has, um, you know, unfortunately, some off-track uh, situation going on, which can't be uh, pleasant for, for anyone. So that one's uh, less entertaining, if you'd like. Um, but it does mean that the the three teams that we're chasing down uh, all, all have some perhaps issues to work through. Perhaps they're all a little bit distracted. They could be a little <laughs> distracted, but at the same time, I think we also uh, oh. need to... Uh, oh. Which... which that, Which that, is that, 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 that will be uh, that will be Oscar. That will um, be Oscar. But uh, yeah, they, but also we can't kind of discount those that are behind us because the sport's so competitive now that uh, while we're uh, trying to improve on our top four, uh, there are those that are behind us that will be trying to get inside the top three. So uh, lots of competition everywhere. Are you guys confident for this this coming season? We're, uh, we feel good, but you know we also know how fast the sport moves. Um, the sport's filled with highs and lows, so um, we're we're definitely not cocky. Um, but yeah, we feel we feel confident. We've made a, a good step, and we'll have a competitive season. Last year felt like a roller coaster, looking from the outside in, because we had Lando on the podcast this time last year, and we asked him what the aims were, and he said that the aim of last year was to get into a position where this year, twenty four he'd be fighting for podiums. Then you get to Bahrain, and obviously the car was nowhere near where you guys wanted it to be. And then within touching distance of race wins. So where do you go from that this year? Are you almost hoping it's a little calmer in that sense? Because was, there were some ups and downs There was definitely year. some ups and downs last year. I think we'd prefer a uh, much more stable yeah. season. I'd like to think we can uh, kind of start the season where we finished off, which was you know second, third quickest team that would be uh, nice because I think um, if we can stay on the same development trajectory we're on there's no reason why we can't win races this year. Talk to me about Oscar Piastri because obviously last year was his rookie season there's been so much chat about him how he's so naturally good he's got something special about him got that spark what do you want to see from him this season? Well, I think now he's just got a year under his belt um, he went to some circuits last year that he'd never been to before so he won't have that that uh, learning challenge, if you'd like. Not that it took him more than about two or three laps to yeah. figure out a, a, a new circuit. Uh, race management, tire management, which you just get that with experience. So uh, his pace was amazing last year. His racecraft was awesome. He, he was awesome, but he had some inconsistencies from learning. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way you learn is by kind of going through tire management, race management, so I just expect him to be strong every single weekend this year. You must be buzzing about your driver lineup because Betty just said all those things about Oscar and then we all know what a talent Lando is and how excited he gets the F1 world. How excited are you to have them locked down? But then also, does that also come with you as a boss, its own challenges of managing those drivers? Because they're both quite capable of winning, both so quick. How do you keep them happy in the same team? Yeah, I think we've got, as you mentioned, the best driver lineup uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, they're great teammates. They learn from each other. They, they race each other hard. I'm sure as we get near the front of the field and they both uh, start sniffing wins, uh, there'll be uh, moments. But they, uh, part of our driver selection process are the personalities and the individuals themselves outside of their driving talent. So I'm confident uh, while they'll race each other hard, that uh, they'll work well together, work on behalf of the team. And if um, there's an incident or two, I'm sure we'll uh, snuff it out quickly. Well, how do you snuff it out as a boss? What sort of a boss are you? Are you an arm around the shoulder? Are you a, a raised eyebrow so don't do it again? I'm fascinated to know what sort of a boss it, you are. It, it kind of depends on the situation and what's, what's required. Uh, you know, I'm not a yeller and a screamer and, 
you know, I think the key with drivers and having ones driven is uh, picking your moment. You know, uh, I've seen too often people, uh, you know, drivers are, you know, huge adrenaline. It's very emotional. And uh, if something happens, uh, I always kind of, you know, if I address it now, does it really need to be addressed now or can it be addressed on Monday? If I address it now when adrenaline's going, am I going to make it worse? So I think um, no two instances are the same, and therefore you just need to understand what's the best way to solve the, the issue. And sometimes it's an immediate conversation. Uh, other times it's, you know, it's done. There's nothing I can do about it. So what? let's let emotions, including mine, um, <laughs> kind of calm down and then we'll tackle it on, on Monday because we can't kind of fix what's happened. So I think it's, it's um, assessing the situation uh, dictates the, uh, the approach. Zach, we love Team McLaren on this podcast. Our listeners love Team McLaren. We are inundated with well wishes for McLaren. We even, we even have a regular McLaren feature called McLaren News. I know it's not the it's sort of not the most imaginative title in the world, but people have hooked onto but it. But he sings it, and it I, works. I sing a jingle for it, yeah, which we're trying to get Oscar to sing uh, at some he stage. Just won't. But he just yeah, won't. yeah, don't embody into that. We're going we're to keep trying. Yeah. But um, we're buzzing for you guys this year. You know, we love seeing you take such a positive step forward last year, seeing the guys fight for podiums, and we, you know, we hope it turns into wins this year and even more. So I'm excited for you to beat Red Bull. <laughs> we're going to give it a go, but you know, let's see what the season <laughs> unfolds. It might be another team that needs to be beat, but yeah, certainly Red Bull true. are the. The favourites coming in, for sure. Guys, what did I miss? Oh, Greg, nice of you to join us, finally. Uh, well, time. I, just, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just shook Zach Brown's hand. Ooh, at the end of the interview, was he was he on good form? He was on really good form, I'd never actually. met him before. What did Zach Brown's hand feel like, would you say? Felt like a big jointer ham. Did it? <laughs> a big powerful. Am- pow- uh, powerful ham. A big American powerful ham. My favourite type of ham, I've long said. It's more of a ham shake. Than ham a ham shake. shake. Oh my lord. Do you know what though? He was very quietly confident. Like he said, confident but not cocky. No, there's just a nice air of confidence and happiness and relaxedness, which I don't think is a word, here Calmness. at McLaren today. Calmness, we can go with that. Yeah, everybody seems very on it and in good form. By the way, I, lo- I do love behind the scenes of anything, but particularly sport. And there's something really earthy about Silverstone. Mm. It's really not very beautiful in any way. It's very grey today, anyway, the weather. But there's some, I love the bones of this place there's, because it's just an arena that gets filled with the most ludicrous machines on earth. Hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, the last time we were all here, stood here. Oh, it was so loud. It was colourful. It was a sunny day. It was loud. There was everything was packed in here. And today there's just this, it's just, it's just a skeleton. But it's sort I do love it. There's something really magical about this place. We were stood up there on that raised platform there we were looking at the national straight here and there was a massive tv screen in between that blue grandstand and that green grandstand <laughs> and we were looking to see oh, yeah. whether lando and oscar had made it to the front row and how quick they were when we were watching qualifying and then we watched on race day we watched lando norris lead the british grand prix down this very straight behind these railings yeah oh, good it's just, times. it's just something i i just love a sporting arena yes. when there's nothing here because it's so ordinary and then 
few months time it Magic. becomes the most extraordinary place but I also love this this side of Silverstone this is the old school side because obviously when we were at Mercedes in the last episode which you can go back and listen to it was like it was the new international paddock right but this is like rustic and old I like it it's fantastic and it's such a special place it's obviously just signed a new contract as well to host the British Grand Prix for many more years to come it's not just special because of the amazing fans who are just world-class but it's also special because it's a fantastic circuit so many iconic moments of Formula One history remember the Hamilton versus uh, Verstappen crash into the corner just ahead of us over there it's just a magical place to watch motor racing and I'm so glad it's sticking around on the Formula One calendar and so glad we can be here to see the McLaren guys yeah, and do you know what? I bet we're going to see Lando Norris win here one day. We are. Oh, I thought you were about to say th <laughs> this year, but you're like, one day. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it'd be a bit too ambitious. I don't know, we might do. Fingers crossed. Should we go ask him? Yeah. <laughs> Lando Norris, welcome back to the Fast and the Curious. Thank it's you very much. lovely to see you. It's lovely, but it's not a lovely day, is it? Well, well the well, sun is just. Uh, I think he might have just stopped, but in the background, we can hear. We can hear Oscar Piastri zipping around the track, and the sun has just there. We go, and the sun has just come out. <laughs> has it? It's, cut, it's <laughs> come out. Just. It's come out for Oscar, apparently. But it's a beautiful day because uh, my first day back in the car. How did you find the new car? Yeah, I find it great, but it's tricky in these conditions okay. to kind of get a proper read on what it's capable of doing. I've just been over to Mercedes. Yeah, tell, tell car us. Looks <laughs> really? Right. It's so slow. It's going to be fine. Slow gonna, as well. You're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Trust me. Are you sure? I've just, I've just had a look at your car. I've seen theirs. You're fine. <laughs> Based on Greg's years of technical expertise. <laughs> oh, he knows, he knows what's happening over there. <laughs> he's done an F1 podcast for one year and he's a technical analysis. Uh, yeah, I've, I've okay. Oh, that's good. Panicking. Good to know, though. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Valuable info. But how was your winter break? What did you do? What have you been up to? Oh, I've done many things. It'll take a while to cover everything. I travelled a fair bit. Yeah. Um, I went to see Daniel out in Perth. Did you? Yeah, yeah, that's down nice. in Perth. Uh, it was a bit of a spontaneous move, not romantic anyway, but just I'm just saying like <laughs> it wasn't planned. Hey, it's Valentine's and Day. All of a sudden, this. no, I'm, no, my, my car's my only love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my mom, and my sisters, and my brother, and my dad. Um, but uh, yeah, I went down to the Perth, which was cool, and it was very warm, like 40 degrees, so it was oh. beautiful. I went from 40 degrees in Perth, uh, minus 30 degrees in Finland, wow. so I had a 70 degree hit, which was quite a shock for the body. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, how do you pack? Seventy that? degrees. So I had <laughs> I had all my warm stuff with me, like right. jacket and stuff. So I'm in Perth with like winter jacket on, hoodies oh, on, no. beanie on, and Daniel rocked up like tank top and did you have to go out and pick up some clothes? So want clothes? Yeah, did you have to go out and pick some up if you? No, I just took them off. <laughs> nice. Can I ask a question about what a day with Daniel Ricardo's like in Perth? What's, the, uh -huh. what's, the, like, what's his what's his what's his plans for you on a day day trip? Uh, so we woke up, um, always good to start that way. Uh, we, we attempted at making breakfast. Mm -hmm. That was probably the highlight of the day. Yeah. You was and trying to make breakfast. poached eggs. Oh, they are hard. Or some sort of eggs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that didn't go down very well. And even they looked so bad, some didn't even want to eat the eggs because they just looked bad. Mm. But um, I thought I cooked them very well. And actually, they left me to do most of the cooking because I felt like I was the responsible one there for <laughs> in the kitchen. And um, it was delicious, actually. One of my break best breakfasts I've ever made uh, for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Long way to go for an I wonder if anything else happened on this trip. <laughs> no, that was about it. It was Just the highlight eggs. of the day. But then it was um, <laughs> a bit of a swim, a bit of gym, uh, a bit of training by then. And um, 
he's got yeah some little cool things, little motocross bike, and I probably shouldn't say that because I don't think I was allowed to do it, but um, a little bit of motocross and nice. Yeah, I we saw you had helmet anything. and you had your arm pads on and all sorts. Oh, of definitely, definitely wasn't just helmet, like <laughs> nothing else. Thanks, yeah. yeah, no, but it was it was a lot of fun, so I enjoyed it. I suppose, Lando, this is the first time you've been back at Silverstone since the British Grand Prix. It is. Obviously, wildly different climate. Yes. <laughs> but we haven't, I've not, I've, not, I've not spoken to you since that day where you, were, you had a fantastic It was, that was a turnaround race. time, wasn't it? How do you feel when you come back to Silverstone? What does it, what does it make you um, feel? I mean, now it feels a little bit more empty, just a little. <laughs> yeah. just a, little a little bleaker. But, just, a yeah. but uh, just great memories, like the, the screams from the fans and the chants and mm. the shouting. And the best title, the highlight is, is the fan stage. Um, and they're shouting and cheering and I know where else in the world you get such a thing. People cheering for you and shouting your name. And when you took the lead into turn one, oh. the oh. roar and your team in the background have all just gone, oh, but <laughs> honestly, that was what I've, you know, seen some brilliant races at the British yeah. Grand Prix. As a fan like you, that was one of my all time favourite F1 moments. That was fantastic. Cool. I didn't hear it. Um, we were you were busy the, we, at the time. We were in I the was garage. Busy. We, we, were in the we, we were in the garage. We, we were there. Yeah. So maybe you sh did you leave like after three laps? Is that when I lost the lead? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. You, you left just after that. Like, it's peak. Like, we were off to the other team. <laughs> we, we, your, we your lucky charm. <laughs> okay. Well, they need to come back, I guess. Well, we'll again. come to every race. Thanks for the that also, that, that would help. Yeah. You've yeah. seen we'll the footage of, of everyone shouting in the Yeah. So that's when everyone said it. Because if anyone tells you that they hear stuff when they're in the car. Um. They're lying to you, okay? Then don't do not trust them. But um, I rewatched uh, just some of these clips. I don't normally rewatch the whole races, but I I rewatched some of the clips. And when you can hear the fans and the commentators and stuff, I dreamt of that. And I remember being a kid Ooh. watching Silverstone. Don't awe me. And uh, it's now as a nice don't awe me. I dreamt of that. I remember That's being like you. being the kid watching it and like shouting for Lewis or whoever it was. I was imagining just being on the side, like cheering, and, and <laughs> what everyone else would be like. Um, so I imagined it even when I was driving and I had to have like a little look at the crowd and yes. seeing everyone standing up. So I did all I could to take in that moment. Is this the first time where you've sort of taken stock about that and like just sat there and really thought about it? No, about no, I, I think of it quite a bit. Um, <laughs> not, not just that moment. I'm just saying like as a reality check of, I know like how lucky I am to be in that situation, to be, you know, wearing these colors and be a Formula One driver in the first, there's 20 spots in the world, like just 20, you know, it's not like football where there's freaking 100 different teams and <laughs> there's, there's 20, 20 in the spot, world. Yeah. And um, for me to be one of them, for me to have been in that position as a kid and got all the way and now to be here, not many people in the world get that, get, get that opportunity. So kind of bring myself back to the reality of, I was once a kid, just like many other kids now, dreaming of that position. Uh, but Silverstone was really where it all turned around. We scored the first podium here, and uh, we didn't end up. We didn't expect to end up as good as we did, and I think that was a promising sign mm. because we knew in such a short time, if we could do that much, what could we do through the winter, through 24, through 25 even? So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So you say you were surprised about that. Yeah. Oscar must have been as well. So you must yeah. have chatted to each other and gone. Oh my God, this is, this is going quite well. Quite, quite literally, yeah. We have our moments of the opposite. Like, it's pretty bad today, wasn't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty shocking, right? And then we have the moments of like, oh, we're actually quite quick, aren't we? Like, even okay. sometimes we're going to a race weekend and we're like, yeah, we're not going to be good here. And then we're, I don't know where in practice, but we're like, oh, actually feels Ooh. feels pretty decent, doesn't it? And then I might, you know, Japan or something and we turn out to be on, a, on the podium. So 
Um, that must be such a good feeling when you when you yes. get in practice and you're like, oh, actually, this feels Especially when you've not redone really a good lap. You're like, that was bad. Still P2. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's actually looking quite good. So you do have those, those moments. We talked about this on the podcast, actually. Remind me where it was where uh, you had a, a word with yourself. We were like... On the podcast, every we went, weekend. I no, think. but we were like, don't be so down on yourself, Lando. You, you were just, where was it? We had, the, we did an I can't episode. I remember the one in particular, but yeah, th- th- I think it was after a qualifying where you'd made a mistake. Yeah. And we, we did a podcast after, and we were all sort of like Team Lando, being like, oh, don't be hard on yourself. Yeah. It sometimes feels like you F1 drivers, and I know it's not just you. You're harsh critics on yourself. You guys yeah. aren't afraid to say, come on, I've got to do better. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, but uh, I wonder if that is—is is that you telling yourself? What what is that? Is that a comfort thing? I think like no, really it's not at all a comfort. Um, it's rare that I like comfort, like comforting in any way. Um, I think it's just you set your own targets as a driver and as an athlete. Um, you know what you're capable of doing and not capable of doing, and so forth. So you got to set the bar high. You know, you're against 20 of the other, well, 19 of the best drivers in the world. Mm. So it's no point ever being complacent or happy with being second, third, fourth, whatever, mm. when you should be first or whatever way around it is. Um, and there was just a few times last year when I should have been first or second or third, and I was sixth or seventh or fifth, whatever. <laughs> and there's no reason for me to be happy about it because I'm like, you know, if I just didn't make this mistake for whatever reason, I should be there. And then maybe that transferred to another podium or more points tomorrow. So it's just uh, it's just high st- like high standards mm. is pretty much the main thing, and and not being happy with the job I've done if I've made a mistake. And uh, I think that's just me. I think I'm very hard on myself, but at the yeah. same time, it's made me who I am. I think it's definitely made me a better driver in the long run. It's a never-ending cycle of, uh, of improvement. And you mentioned earlier the excitement of what you can achieve in 24 and 25, yeah. given you guys made more progress than you expected to from the start mm. of last season. And obviously, there's been chaos in Formula 1 over the winter with Lewis's move and all yeah. of that. How nice is it to be able to sit here and say... I've got my future sorted. I'm happy with the direction this team's going because, uh-huh. as you said, the progress is good. Yeah, yeah. Is it a nice position to be? I know you guys are never too comfortable because you're yeah, trying yeah. to challenge, but also that must be nice to watch the chaos from within and go, you know what? I'm happy. Yeah, with exactly. This. I mean, it's what I wanted to stay out of. I was comfortable before because my contract was for 25 already, so it wasn't like I was nervous about it. Sure. But uh, now I'm extra comfortable, you know. So it's it's a good thing to have because while everyone else is thinking of these little things, and it does play on your mind because. Like we said, there's 20 spots in the world. There's a lot of people that are wanting those spots. And if you don't perform, just as quickly as you get there, you can also get it taken away from you and you can end up not being here. So you've got to make the most of your time when you're here and you've got to fight for it and, and fight your own battle a lot of the time. Yeah, just having that, that thought of, I'm going to be here for many more years is always a cool, pretty cool thing. I guess that must be comforting because it's you know tempting, I guess, to roll the dice and go, all right, I'm going to go somewhere else. But yep. I'm guessing as a racing driver, that's a risk to potentially put yourself in an environment where you're yes. not as comfortable. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always a risk. Going to work with people you've never worked with before, meet new faces, like uh, you're never going to be as comfortable doing that as you are with a team that you've been with for five, six, seven years because there's a level of honesty and trust. You can be honest with one another and go, you know, I need, need more support here. I don't think you're doing a good enough job there. And, and you, you work together in a much better way and it's a much more efficient way of working than if you're new to someone. You know, you're always a little bit afraid to know what the limitations of, of each other are. So, um, yeah, it's, I do love it here. I have loved it. Um, I'm going to continue to love it for many more years. And um, that's also just why, you know, because I love it and I'm very happy. So there's those two things. It's, uh, I want to be a world champion. I want to w- win races and 
that's the priority of it all. But there's also the, I'm still just a normal guy and I do racing because I love it, not because I have to do it. And uh, at the same time, I just want to have fun and enjoy every minute. And if that's spending it with McLaren over another team, then um, that's what I choose to do. Do you feel like it's time just to, you want to get on with it now? Or how do you feel the next couple of months going? <sighs> I mean, it's not, it's not long, is it? It's, yeah. I felt like I had a long, nice break. <laughs> and now we're already pretty much two weeks away from making the first eggs. race. So yeah. making eggs, yeah, just lying been. there, sunbathing. <laughs> and now we're, <laughs> we're here. Um, <laughs> and it's raining. And it's raining. It's beautiful, honestly. But it's, yeah, <laughs> it's only two weeks away from the first race, which is not long. Um, so time has flown, but I'm, I'm excited to get going. Yeah. Just before we let you go, uh, this sounds a cliche question, I don't mean it to be, because we talk to F1 drivers a lot of the time about fans. Yep. But it so often strikes me that there is such a love for you from your fans. You see it online so much. We see it in our DMs on this podcast for your appearances. Like, uh -huh. my goodness, people love Lando Norris. Oh my God, my, my niece called me today and went, please say hi to Lando. Oh. They go, we've done <laughs> it. Say, see, hi that's say hi to Pia. Hi, Pia. Where are you? Hello, hello. <laughs> That must it is. It's what's incredible. that like to have that love from these people you've never met to cheer you on in the stands? That must be so special. It is because it's 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 something that's hard to describe in the first place. Just the feeling you get of love and support from people. Um, there's not many ways around the world, like many things you can do in the world, where you get the same feeling and the same satisfaction. Um, and it's just the fact that like people travel from all over the world and they come and support me. I still find it just odd in a way that yeah. like people are coming over to cheer me on and want me to win all of those things it's an odd thought to have because it's just I think not normal for, for <laughs> people um, so I think of that quite a bit like why is this person even coming to cheer me on <laughs> like, I do think of it but at the same time I'm I'm very thankful because I know I have probably one of the best followings and, and just mm. fan bases in, in general very supportive always and uh, you know already in the hotel last night there was quite a few of them so it's always nice, and especially when it's um, kids, you know, because when you, like that story earlier went out, that was once me, mm. and there was an F1 driver, and I was like, oh my God, this is mm. so awesome. Uh, it's that same thought of like, I, I picture that being myself, you know, and thinking oh, like I'm that person now, and I can give something back to, to them and try and inspire them in some way. So I'm, I'm thankful. It's probably one of the most special things about all of it. I get to travel the world and drive nice cars and mm -hmm. it's glorious um, and tough at times but at the same time like that's pretty the most rewarding special part of it all is the the support and the love you get from people. You do seem really happy, like genuinely, does, doesn't That's it? good, isn't it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I try to be. I try. Living his best life. Lando, I thank am. you I try so to. much for coming no on the podcast. Always a pleasure. A year ago we started this podcast and you were one of Damn. our first drivers, so happy anniversary yeah. to you. Thank you very much. Happy anniversary. <laughs> to me. We'd like to sign you up to for you another also. year if that's all right. I'm down. Nice. Yes. I'll, charge, I'll charge more next time. That's yeah, right. Do. <laughs> He's renewing. Uh, again, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Lando. No worries. We are currently stood here, st outside the garage, but staring at the McLaren car being taken apart, ready to be flown to Bahrain. This is so surreal, isn't it? We're watching people tinkering with a thing that we'll never understand. Yeah. And Sophie, who is in charge of all the, all the fun bits of McLaren, is here saying, just don't describe it too much because you might get us into trouble. <laughs> so what am I going to say? <laughs> those, oh, those men are twiddling the left phalange. <laughs> and then Red Bull like, they've got a left phalange. I'm not a Trojan horse. I trust you guys. I trust you. Am I allowed to say, and if I'm not, you'll just hear beeps, I'm sure, that 
at the front of the car, I just love that, despite the fact it's the most technologically advanced motorsport in the world, there's still cable ties. Cable ties and gaffer tape exist in every form of motorsport on the planet, including Formula One. I love that. Yeah, that's like the limit of what you can say. Okay. <laughs> They've got cable ties, tell Red Bull. <laughs> I'm so nervous right now. <laughs> Sophie's regretting letting us in. But there is a, a real problem with secrecy and keeping this under wraps. Look behind you, Christian. Yes. There are big... So we're in the pit lane. The old pit lane. The old pit lane, yeah. The national pit straight. The national pit straight. There are big, big blocks, big McLaren so. But you know when people go and have an operation and they put things up around them? A it's modesty basically screen. like that, a modesty screen. But seriously, they put this barrier up because there are nerds that go and have a day out of the museum over the road. Nerds. And they go, oh, we just happened to come down to the m museum on Shakedown Day and uh, I brought my long lens camera. Nerds. And they could actually take photos of, you know, the uh, the floor of the car or whatever, they which they've just lifted out, haven't they? Like that is such an important bit to the car, but it just looked like nothing. But they're all tinkering, well. aren't they? All of them. It's about 12 men. 16, I've just counted. 16, 16 white men. They're all so serious. Tinkering with a car. All of them in charge of a little bit of something. All 16 men having a little job to do, taking apart a priceless world-class piece of engineering that will be raced at 200 miles per hour in 20 different countries. Quite funny that the tools they're using, obviously, are the tools that a parent might use on a bank holiday. Yes. And they're putting up a picture. Silly, silly sport. Two minutes and then Oscar will be ready in the paddock. Oh. Two minutes, then Oscar will be ready. Oscar Piastri, welcome back to The Fast and the Curious. It's lovely to see you. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Nice to see you as well. Oscar, talk to us about what you've been doing today. Because I've heard you've had a flapjack. I've had a flapjack, sat around for half a day, drove a car for half a day and gotten very wet. <laughs> That's good. That's always so, yeah. good, isn't it? Well, Oscar, lovely to catch up. We'll see you again soon. <laughs> uh, well, we were just speaking of catching up. Mm. We've said this on the podcast so many times. You were the first ever thing we recorded. Me, Betty thing. and Greg. The first ever thing. First yeah. ever thing. The oh, first, first, the first human, the first anything. <laughs> yep. anything. anything. Okay. And okay. we were in a room in a Hilton yep. in Heathrow, and there was wires all over the table, and you'd never driven a Formula One car. Well, you'd driven a Formula One car, never driven a Formula One race. Yep. We'd never recorded a podcast before. Mm. Now a year on, you've got podiums, you've smashed your first season. We've now got wireless mics, so there's not wires oh, everywhere. Yeah. Progress. We've all made we've progress. All Very good. Yeah, it's good to see. You must be made up with what your 12 months turned out to be. Yes, it was a very successful 12 months, definitely. Um, I think probably a lot more successful than everyone thought, <laughs> including myself. So, um, no, it was, was nice. Obviously, the first sort of six months of that was a bit tricky for everyone at McLaren. But, um, yeah, big turnaround in the second half of last season. So it's been a, a pretty cool 12 months, a very busy 12 months. It feels like we only just finished last season, to be <laughs> honest. But... Um, no, nice to be back out in action and everything. Feels a little bit more settled and comfortable this time around. What have you learned from those 12 months? So obviously you had your rookie year. You're now coming into your first season where you're not a rookie. You've got that year under your belt. Um, very good question. I, I still have some pretty clear objectives I want to work on from last season. I think um, my one lap pace generally was um, decent or I was happy enough with it in the second half of the year. I think 
race pace is probably still my biggest focus um, and how to achieve a better overall race pace is probably the, the biggest thing. But um, yeah, also just how busy the season was. You know, I got through the first half thinking I was um, doing doing okay. And then the second half of the season hit me like a train. So um, <laughs> with all the flyaway races and just the, the jet lag, all the travel, um, it was, yeah, pretty impressive how much of a toll it took. And I only really kind of discovered that or appreciated it fully when I came back for this season and went, okay, I'm actually able to concentrate properly now and uh, and everything just feels a little bit more sharp again. So, uh, what, so yeah. What, so what are the things that you'll do differently in terms of resting and is it that sort of thing that you'll put in place for next year? Yeah, I think just being even more, I mean, we tried to be as efficient as possible with all our travel and commitments and stuff like that, but taking that up another notch, taking my recovery up another step as well um, is, is important and just finding finding the time or making the time mm. to, to focus on that um, a bit more is probably the, the biggest thing. But also, I, I know what to expect now as well. So just <laughs> yeah, right. psychologically, I feel like I'm already in a, a better place. I'm sure, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I'm sure you are our most frequent driver on the podcast last year. Producer Jimmy's nodding his head, definitely. And original. And original. And yeah, the, the, the original and still the best. Oscar <laughs> Piastri. Um, but we have, on our last episode, where we were at Mercedes, found out something about you that we didn't know. And I love this. When you were at Mercedes? We, I, mm. I know. Boo. Boo. Don't worry. Okay. As Greg said. I, yeah. No, but I'm wondering I, what you found out about me from Mercedes. Oh, nothing. But I did tell Lando that their car looks Okay. So don't worry. <laughs> don't you worry about a thing. Okay. You're going to be fine. Trust, trust Uncle Greg. <laughs> Uncle now, now watch Greg. Mercedes dominate for the next anyway. seven years again. But anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> anyway, but just quickly. Wouldn't it be incredible if Lewis Hamilton won this year at Mercedes? No, oh, it would not be incredible. No, 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 what no. What are you no, talking about? In terms of the story. In terms of the story. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I think Oscar Piastri winning first world championship yeah, is a much yeah, better story. Happen. We've got loads of time. He's 40. Yeah, you've got loads of time. You're like half his age. I am firmly removing myself from this conversation. <laughs> Respect your elders, Oscar. Be patient. Yeah. Uh, anyway, before Greg derailed us, mm. we found out something from one of your former teammates, Mr. Fred Vesti. Okay, yeah. He said, d d what do you think he might have told us? You look awkward uh, and scared. I have no idea. We didn't know. We know you like your cricket. Don't mm -hmm. start, don't start. Later. Um, yeah. I didn't know that you like your chess. Uh, ah, I mean, I, I don't play chess that frequently. I think the last time I played chess was against Fred. Mm. But that there's a bit of a story behind playing chess that day. I, um, yeah, it was in the middle of some controversy going on. Um, and to remove myself from said controversy, I went and <laughs> played chess because I was living basically next door to Fred uh, at the time. So uh, we went and played chess whilst social media exploded. Oh, oh yeah. I can't nice. possibly think what mm. social media story that could have been. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that's basically the last time I played chess. Next time I'm stressed, I'm going to do a piastri. <laughs> I'm going to go around to yours or Greg's and I'm going to play chess. Next time mm. something kicks off or someone's whinging do you at me. you know how to play chess? Yes, I know how to play do chess. You? Don't patronise me. Yes. Yes, <laughs> oh, I don't. I've never played chess. Um, well, what was your winter break like then? So obviously you, you weren't playing any chess in your winter break. Shame. Maybe you were. Maybe no, you were. no, I was not. Uh, no. I was firstly catching up on some sleep. Um, and then I went back to Australia for three weeks. So 
got to see all my family, all my friends, um, chilled out basically. Because Just did nothing for a few weeks. Oh, that's obviously needed. But this yeah. might be a bit of a weird question, but we saw that you're supposed to be going to this award ceremony. But mm -hmm. You couldn't go because you had to go to the emergency dentist. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had to get some wisdom teeth pulled out. Uh, I should have had them out about 12 months ago, and they actually caused me a couple of little issues through the season. But obviously, there's not a great time ever mm. to get your wisdom teeth removed, especially during your rookie F1 season. So yes. literally the day after Abu Dhabi, I flew home, and that evening I had two teeth pulled out. See, so, yeah. Our theory was that because your head's rattling around mm -hmm. when you're driving, that your teeth have been shaken out of your head. Well, it would have saved me the trip to the dentist, but is it? that was that does that not surely the <laughs> pressure of the helmet? We were sort of half being serious about it. Mm. The pressure of the helmet on your throat. Well, that's why they've got such strong necks to keep everything in yeah. the head still. But have yeah. you got strong gums? Yes, I I, I don't know. We're thinking I, about. I don't know. I now have a bit more gum and less tooth. <laughs> but um, that's the exclusive we need, guys. Wrap it up. We got it. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, more gum than tooth. This is necessarily for the podcast. I'm more just mm. interested. My wisdom teeth grew at the wrong angle and into my gums, and I had to have them cut away. I had to have yeah. an operation. Was that what you had? Oh, Christ. Uh, yeah, I had one that they just were able to just pull out. I mean, I was under general, general anaesthetic. anaesthetic. Yeah, so I was too. Yeah. I was asleep for all of it. But they pulled out one that. Honestly, if they didn't tell me they pulled it out, I wouldn't know. The other one, however, I definitely knew that they pulled mm. out. It's but, painful. But I had, it was like half, it was, I believe the t official term is impacted. That's exactly what I had, yes. Um, impacted was the yes. <laughs> so uh, they, had, they had to cut it away a little bit, but so I've heard far worse. I've never spoken to anyone who's had this done before, so no, I'm, no, no, I'm, it's I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. This is, it, this is it, the content everyone wants to yeah, see. Really I'm content. not bothered about the podcast, so I was just interested <laughs> as to how you found it. But yeah, I'm, it was a while ago for me. Yeah. And I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, no. I know it, was, it, it, was, it was okay, actually. I've heard far worse horror stories than good. what I... Good. I went into it very scared, and I came out with a bit of a fat cheek, and <laughs> that, that was okay. A days after, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What a great way to start your winter mm. break. Yes. Straight into the operation, yeah. get Glamorous. the out. Yeah. I've just seen Into the Future, and when Oscar's world champion, which will happen, mm. he is going to request that this footage and video will be burnt mm. and never played again. They'll be like, oh, did you, didn't you speak to Oscar when he was like a rookie? And I, and, uh, yeah. What did you talk to him about? Wisdom teeth. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And that maybe that is the maybe that's what we need. I sometimes question whether Oscar wonders why the hell he does this podcast. <laughs> but well, I'm actually worried because you did say that you were trying to cut down on your commitments, and I worry I worry that the Fast and the Curious might be the first to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're committed. No, to of course, you, of course not. You yes, love of course. It. Yes, I do. Don't you? Don't you? Tell us you love us. And she kicks me under the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when, when I no, turned I up, it. when I turned up today to this uh, the the national paddock, yes, we heard a car squealing around the track, and it was you. Mm -hmm. So how was how was your drive? Obviously uh, wet, but how did it feel? It was it was good. Yeah, everything went pretty smoothly for the day, and um, I felt pretty comfy in the car, which is sort of the most you can get out of a day like mm. today. All the signs were positive, I would say. So it went around the track. It didn't stop. So <laughs> that's that's a very good start. Yeah, it was a start. Exactly. Can I... So one of my biggest icks about this sport, something that just really, really annoys me... Oh, wow. ...is when people call a car her, <gasps> like, or she... <laughs> Does she look beautiful out there? Or she's stunning. It's a car. <laughs> it's a car. Do you call your car she or her? No. No, I call it uh, it. I do. Or the car, okay, or if it's behaving poorly on track, some other words. <laughs> <laughs> but usually it. 
<laughs> okay, well that's good. So you're that's fine. It's that's like, good yeah, to know. Basically, Christian gives you the ick. Christian always gives me the ick, <laughs> no matter what he does. Is it when he talks about his gums? The abuse I get on this podcast <laughs> is unnecessary, unwarranted, and but cruel. Have you always referred to a car as a, a lady? When I was growing up, Sebastian Vettel used to call his cars she, and he used to name yeah. them. And, and I think that's where I got it from. But I stand by this vigorously, because I believe a Formula One car is too competent to be a man. Oh. It's it's it multitasks better. It's more elegant. It's more glamorous. I give a Formula One car more credits than I give the male species, and that's why I call it a she. Okay. <laughs> Do you agree okay. with that? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> because you're terrified Thanks, of him. But like Oscar's got my back today, whereas you two are just picking at no, me. No, 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 no. Always. Uh, do you have a name for your car? No. no. I've I've only named one of my cars ever. Right, uh, and that was basically because my mechanics wouldn't let me leave until I named it. So, oh, what did you call it? Uh, funnily enough, uh, we just raced at Silverstone, oh. and I won both the races that weekend, and thought that was a good omen. So, Sylvia was That's the nice. name of that car, well, which is a championship-winning car, actually. Uh, Tony, my mum, <laughs> my mum and dad's neighbours called Sylvia. Right. I, I, I couldn't call it Stone. Leave so. that with you. Stony. <laughs> Stony. So, Sylvia, it is. Are you going to name this car? No. Oh, what if on. we don't let you leave until you do? Yeah. This uh, is just uh, my end mechanics. <laughs> MCL 38-1. No! <laughs> there we go. Yeah. The media team at McLaren have got him well trained. Yes. That was a yes. good answer. Yes. That was a good answer. I'm going to try and steer this back on topic. Um, your first season was so impressive. You've managed to get so many people impressed and excited. How do you go out and back that up this season? How do you go, What's the aim for you? What does a successful second season look like? Uh, I think just trying to do a lot of the same things I did last year, to be honest. Um, like I said before, I've got some clear things I want to work on, but um, ultimately I think the goal of every driver is to try and get the most out of the car they've got. So um, hopefully we have a car that's towards the front. If we don't, then hopefully both Lando and I can help steer the team in the right direction. Um, obviously we can't build the car and stuff, but we can try and help where we can and it's a good thing we don't build the car because we'd be <laughs> a long way I'm behind. going in this weekend and I shall build it myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I think just trying to do that get the most out of the car and I think I left a good chunk of races satisfied last year but also a decent chunk not particularly satisfied with how I'd performed personally so I think just being a bit more consistent and leaving more weekends you're never going to have every weekend but more weekends where i feel like i've gotten the most out of what i had and uh satisfied with my performance that's lando building his yeah. car yes in the background. <laughs> i'll do oscar, it oscar go and tell them to shut up we're recording a podcast it's very important i i wanted to ask you obviously obviously it was your rookie season so many people have been talking you up so many people saying how good you are how you've got this little spark, there's, something, there's just something about you that's a little bit special. Do you listen to any of that noise? Um, I, I mean, it's always kind of nice to have those compliments, but um, I, I think it goes both ways. The, the compliments and the criticism aren't going to make me drive any faster or slower. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, that's firmly in my hands whether I do that or not. So, of course, it's not nice to have, and I think if you have those kind of compliments, then... Clearly, it means you're doing something right. Um, so I'd rather have them than not have them, of course. Um, I, you know, as long as I can go out there, feel like I've done a good job on the weekends, and and feel yeah. satisfied with myself, then that's pretty much all I 
ask for. You said those compliments won't make you go slower or faster. I tell you mm -hmm. what will. We're in a Formula One era where there's weight saving. The cars are more carbon. Yep. You are going into this season lighter than last season because you've got fewer teeth. Correct. That will be <laughs> an advantage. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. weapon. Yeah. See, it was purely for performance. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go faster so I shall start removing teeth. Exactly. <laughs> That's the exactly. point where even as a Formula One driver, someone in your inner circle needs to say, Oscar, you take this teeth. That's where you need to draw the line. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the paint situation yeah. and we sort of, and it's getting to that ludicrous point where we were saying, all the, a lot of the cars are black and it's kind mm -hmm. of boring. Like, put a bit of paint on yeah. it. You know, the papaya. Yes, it really stands out. Where yeah. the engine is going. And we're like black slash, I think the official term is anthracite. Sorry. What are your suits like this season? Um, very papaya mm. and, and black. Um, anthracite? No, these no? The, the suits are purely black. Oh, they're black, black. or they're actual black, black yeah. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're bright. You'll certainly be able to see us walking around, that's for sure. Um, Oscar, we are buzzing for you for another great season and we're really looking forward to seeing you do it all again. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me back again, and I'm sure I'll see you soon. And there goes the no longer a rookie Oscar Piastri, but still a friend of the Fast and the Curious. I hope he's a friend of ours anyway. I do sometimes think he looks at me, Greg and Betty, with a sort of air in his eyes of, who are these mad people that my team have put me in front of? But anyway, we love having him on, even though I think sometimes he looks at us with a sense of bewilderment. And we're very excited to see what he does in his second season in Formula One. Very excited to see what it brings for our wonderful friends at McLaren, for Lando, of course. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is shakedown, his test days done. Next stop is actual pre-season testing, where the teams won't just get a handful of laps around the circuit to test their new machines. They'll get loads of them. And I... I'm on my way to the airport, to Bahrain, because the next time you hear from me on The Fast and the Curious, I'll be there chatting to Betty. I'm going to be the spy in the camp to get all the gossip from pre-season testing in Bahrain. We will see what all the teams have in their locker and get the first little glimpses of what Formula One 2024 looks like. Any questions about pre-season testing, we're on social media, of course, at Fast Curious Pod. And I'll speak to you and Betty Glover when I'm there. We'll be back soon on The Fast and the Curious. Thanks very much for listening. See you soon. Bye for now.